Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Matt here with an important question. Are you registered and ready to vote? You better find out and register if you need at vote411.org. Every state is different, so don't miss your deadline. Make sure you have a plan to vote early or by your state's deadline if you're voting by mail. Vote. Make it count. Go to vote411.org. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Belisai. I'm here in my home studio recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. How are you feeling about this episode? Are you ready? Are you yes, ready for it? Obviously, I'm ready. That's why I'm fucking here. Okay, what do you think fine. I come, I come to the, come to this goddamn microphone every Every day I wait at this microphone <laughs> and once a week you decide to show up and join me. <sighs> You're bullshit is what I, I just feel like <laughs> I've, I need to make up for how nice I've been to you by being I an know. asshole I know. in the, or the remaining episodes of this year. Okay, whatever. Um, let's see what's coming up on today's episode. We're going to kick things off, as always, with Worst Things First, where I shout about the worst, most ridiculous, stupid news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into pumpkins because it's that time of year again. And did I go back and listen to the episode that we did almost exactly a year ago that was also about pumpkins? Yes. <laughs> We literally already did a deep dive about pumpkins, but every year, every year it rolls around and I'm angered anew. And finally, we've got actor Tuck Watkins on the pod. He's been in so many plays, TV shows, movies like Desperate Housewives, The Mummy, and Black Monday, just to name a few. And now he's starring in the new Netflix film, The Boys in the Band. So if you don't know, the movie is based on Mark Crowley's 1968 play of the same name, which put gay men's lives on stage in a truly revolutionary way. It had never really been done before. And now, 50 years later, there was a Broadway revival of the play. Um, and Tuck and all, all of the castmates were all out gay men. And now it's been adapted into a Netflix movie. So Tuck and I talk about everything from the boys in the band to the Wizard of Oz to the Explore page on Instagram, which I may or may not have introduced Tuck to on the pod. So stick around for all of that and more. But first, Barry, how's your quarantine been this week? You know, it's been pretty chill. 
Uh, I've been cooking a lot uh, because for the past couple of weeks, Alex was doing most of the cooking, but I, I took a step up Who this week. Who is Alex? Alex is my boyfriend, you stupid <laughs> bitch. Um, RuPaul, um, uh, apparently on every episode, just b- pretends like he doesn't know who uh, his co-host's children's names are. <laughs> <laughs> and by pretends, I mean like I think he actually doesn't. Anyway. That's fair. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I've been cooking this week, uh, which led to two truly terrible meals, like so bad. The um, pasta? but then one, no, no, no. And then one really good meal. And that was the pasta that I made that I sent you a photo of. But the only reason that was really good was because there was almost a pound of cheese in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was 12 ounces of cheese. So, you know, yeah, it's been brain chill. That's been my week. That is the worst part about cooking is that you are forced to confront what is actually going into your food. And it's never it's never good. No. And then the good things that did go into it ended up being bad meals. So you win some, you lose some. What about you? How's your week? Um, Well, actually, I've never felt better. This is the best I felt in 20 years. We got Mazalto, honestly. Yeah, my body is full of experimental drugs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can see colors. I can walk through walls. Never, never felt better. I've never felt better in my life. I've never felt better. <laughs> no, I'm also upset. Um, I, Another year, I, I was not awarded a Nobel Prize. Oh, and my God. I understand. Okay, Peace Prize, sure. Don't give me that. I am, I'm not a spreader of peace. I'm not a spreader of much. Except these legs. Am I right, <laughs> ladies? Oh. But, like, give me the economy? Chemistry, even? These are Nobel Awards I feel like I should at least be in the running for, but no. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, you could say my week not going great based on those factors. Other than that, um, I haven't done shit this week. <laughs> I got a haircut. That's about as exciting as my week was. And I, I will got a say, haircut, too. Okay, well, nobody cares about your haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I will say my haircut um, was less stressful this time around than it was three months. I, I've literally gotten like two haircuts this entire year, obviously, along with most people who aren't insane. But um, yeah, the one that I had earlier in the year, I've, that was the one where I walked in and the, immediately the guy cutting my hair started hacking. And I was like, great, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> and then um, but this time there were only like two two barbers in the entire shop. Me, It was like one other person. It, it went fine. Good. So I'm, nice. I'm pleased. You look good. Thanks. That was very <laughs> confident. <laughs> you look great. Well, anyway, on that note, let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the freaking show. All right. Worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, I just want to get this story out of the way because I know it's what everybody's talking about this week. Um, And I know it's like my name has probably come up in this discussion. So McDonald's has announced that it will be adding new bakery items to its lineup for the first time since cookies and apple pie. Wow. Huge. That's that's yeah. The groundbreaking. But here's here's what what I take it. So they're introducing a blueberry muffin, a cinnamon roll, and an apple fritter. How is that different from the what they already had, the apple thing? Because they didn't have any of those things before. No, but the apple thing. Didn't they have like an apple pie thing? Didn't you just say yeah, that? Yeah, it was an apple pie. Do you not know the difference between an apple fritter like and an apple pie? I just feel like if you only have four <laughs> items on the menu, two of them should not be apple-based. Everything else on their menu is beef flavored. Well, I'm t- but we're talking about the bakery. I mean, I, I mean the bakery menu. You're, you 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 give me five instead? options and two of them are apple. That's not a lot of variety. Is all I'm saying. Fair. I just think as a connoisseur of baked goods, I think an apple fritter, which is in the donut family, deep fried, is far different than an apple pie, which is a flaky pastry. More of a hot pocket situation. I've never had the apple pie from McDonald's. Nor have I. Never. But here, here's what I take issue mostly is first foremost, I just think it's real funny that right after I get really into baking, McDonald's suddenly McDonald's suddenly decides that they're going to start releasing muffins and cinnamon. Wow. Rolls. I just the timing is really suspicious yeah. on on this. That is. 
coincidence? So I think if not. Ronald if Ronald wants to wants to answer my messages after I threatened to suck his dick last week. And then someone wrote to us and said that or they were in the drive through at McDonald's playing it. And I said that I would go down on Ronald McDonald as their window opened. <laughs> the person heard it. And they were not happy about it. So you are welcome. I am here to shout about how I would suck Ronald McDonald's ketchup flavored penis to bring you the joy that you deserve. I think that this maybe was a response you you put it out there that you would go down on him. He's like, you actually inspire me too. Here's all these baked items on my menu. Like, I think it's subliminal messaging to you. The point is, um, I don't need another reason to accidentally ingest like a thousand calories on my way home from karaoke. When we're allowed to go back outside... And I am shit-faced at three in the morning, stumbling home. I McDonald's is already... I'm, I'm like a cartoon character that smells a pie cooling on a windowsill. <laughs> I, I, the, the odor, aromas waft up into my nose. And then I float. I physically levitate off of the ground. And then I float towards the smell. And I have no choice but to ingest all of it. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. That's science. And now McDonald's is just trying to trying to make it worse for me. Mm-hmm. After all the work I've put in, they're going to undo all of it by by giving me blueberry muffins and cinnamon rolls and a fucking fritter. Next, Tasmanian devils are roaming around mainland Australia for the first time in 3,000 years. What? Where have they been? Oh, Tasmania? Yeah, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally going to be my question was to you was where do you think <laughs> they were? And then you just asked it yourself. <laughs> hey, you know what? Yeah. You know what? Newfoundlands, those dogs, they're from Newfoundland. You see them all over the place. Bernese mountain dogs, they're, you know, a Labrador retrievers, they're from Labrador, Canada. You see them all over the place. So sorry that I didn't realize that Tasmanian devils actually hadn't left Tasmania. Well, you should know. I do now. So thank you for educating me. Yeah, well, all of those animals are everywhere because humans bring them everywhere. And humans haven't brought, They, I guess, humans haven't liked picking up a bunch of Tasmanian devils and bringing them around the world. Well, yeah, they start little tornadoes. That's dangerous. Yeah, that is really what I'm here to complain about is that why not? Okay, Australians love to talk a big game, but when it comes to, oh, you can't pick up a fucking Tasmanian devil and bring it home? Grow up! You'll go fucking grab a snake out of the water and whip it around and lasso a kangaroo, but you can't you can't pick up a Tasmanian devil, bring it home, give it a nice meal, some porridge. Hypocrites. So yeah, I guess uh, Tasmanian devils, which were once called Sarcophilus satanicus <laughs> or satanic flesh lovers. That's what they call you. <laughs> Me? Yeah. yeah. I'm a satanic flesh lover. <laughs> <laughs> Tinder profile. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, this was 3,000 years ago. A Tasmanian devils went extinct because they, <laughs> scientists believe it was because of the introduction of carnivorous dingoes. A dingo ate my Tasmanian devil. <laughs> Good, come on. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so it was dingoes and also a devastating dry season caused by El Nino. Which I still don't entirely know what El Nino is. No. Nobody really knows. But anyway, the point is, um, Tasmanian devils went extinct in mainland Australia like uh, 3,000 years ago. And now these uh, these bunch of conservationists are like, hey, why don't we bring them back? That would be fun. We don't have anything better to do. So why don't we bring a whole bunch of flesh-eating uh, little, little beavers just in, there's not enough shit that could kill you in Australia. We're going to we're going to bring on some Tasmanian devils. Have we learned nothing from Jurassic Park? If something was extinct, we don't necessarily need to bring it back. I'm actually all uh, for also, animal conservation, but <laughs> still. <laughs> also, like no shade to uh, like Warner Brothers or whoever did Space Jam. But Tasmanian devils 
absolutely they did not capture that at not all. Not even remotely. When I saw Ta- Taz was his yeah. name, right? The, the Tasmanian Devil. The Looney Tune. Mm-hmm. Was it, yeah, he was a Looney Tune. Yeah, but the little when tornadoes. Him, That's why I said the little tornadoes earlier. Right, right, right. I I loved him. I remember, um, I think it was also McDonald's. Now it's getting too on the nose. But I remember McDonald's had these Space Jam toys and uh, plush. They were plush toys. That's when you knew it was like, oh, this is a special. Oh, event. yeah. McDonald's is having. And it wasn't like a Happy Meal where you had to buy it extra. Wow. And we, I really wanted the Tasmanian Devil one. And yeah, I got it. Oh my God. <laughs> but then when I saw what a Tasmanian devil actually looked like, nothing. We were being lied nothing to. Nothing like it. It was. It, that's like if I were on LSD and someone said, draw a Tasmanian devil. <laughs> and I just drew a furball <laughs> with a giant gaping mouth and two stick legs that came out. And for some reason, he's super hot. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would draw. And finally, a bear named 747... With a lush coat of brown fur and a fabulous fish-filled belly, this was from Daily the New York Daily News, <laughs> was crowned the winner of Fat Bear Week. Yes. <laughs> so um, here's the issue I have. Because I also realized I need to take issue with more of these stories. Yeah, of course. Um, I feel like Worst Things First has been me celebrating some of these animals a little too much and not saying that this is the worst news. Uh, what is Fat Bear Week is my first question. And why haven't I known about it before? Wait, yeah, where's my invitation? <laughs> I want a front row seat to these chubby bears. I do assume it's like a full fashion show. They walk down yeah, the I wanna aisle. I want to see that chub. Mm-hmm. I want to see those shaking bellies. <laughs> I want to see those those chubby bear boobies. So in Alaska, they in preparation for a hibernation season, they they have this like conservation group or this this park ranger who they they take pictures. They go around taking pictures of all of the bears while they're getting fat okay, for, for hibernation season. Yeah. Freaking creeps. You know, I'm getting ready for hibernation too. Don't you dare take a picture of me while I'm fattening up for winter? You would love for people to take photos of you. That's all you want. No, because I know my angles and I will take them of myself. Okay. Where's Fat Bear taking a selfie of of, of herself looking fabulous <laughs> week? That's what I would like. But no, they decided to award it to some Fat Bear named 747. Why did they name him after an airplane? <laughs> because it's a big ass airplane. Oh, There are a lot of other uh, big things that have better names than that. Sorry, that's like how there's a person at the dog park that I go to whose dog name is Q-Train, and it's the stupidest fucking dog name I've ever heard. And I hope she listens, because she's not she's not nice. And I, she's a stupid dog name. Q-Train's a bad what name. What does Q-Train even mean? Like the, the Q. The Q-Train. Oh, I thought it was like cutie or something. No, and then she calls him Q. Q-Train? Right, al- right up there with bad name 747. So, yeah, according to Naomi Boak, a media ranger at this park in Alaska, she says, I'm so happy that 747 won. This is the fattest fat bear that we've ever had. So I guess 747 is breaking some records. I guess so. If anything, the most upsetting part of this story is that hibernation is not normalized for me. Amen. Because I would like to live in a world where it is acceptable for me to pack on a significant amount of weight over a very short amount of time and then to just like spend a lot of time taking a nap. That's all I want to do. Just day in and day out. Even though I think hibernation, we've, we've sort of been lied to about what hibernation. Someone tweeted this, but it was like, everybody, I just assumed that hibernation was like the bear went to sleep and like didn't wake up until the spring. Yeah. But that's not how hibernation No, but works. that is what we're told. Yeah, I remember specifically learning that, like, bears would eat a whole bunch of, like, fibrous stuff to get, like, a butt plug. But yeah. So that they couldn't take a shit all winter. Yeah. So anyway, I guess congrats to 747. I hope you all know that we think you're the fattest fat bear in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but you're gorgeous. And that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're diving deep into pumpkins. 
deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right, listen, it's the middle of October already, which means it's pumpkin season. We're in the thick of it. And by that, I mean, it's that time of year when pumpkins are shoved down our throats by the pro-gourd militia. So once again, it falls to me to set the record straight on pumpkins. And guess what? This show, we've been it before and we'll be it again. Anti-pumpkin. Boom. Bye. Bye, pumpkin. That's a reference that you don't even get. I can tell. I never will. New York, Tiffany Pollard. So let's just jump right into it first. Pumpkins basically have no taste on their own, okay? Nobody's just chomping into a pumpkin unless you're a zoo animal and it's your birthday. Do you ever see those posts where they're like, oh, fucking donkeys celebrate their birthday at, at Cincinnati Zoo and then they give them just a fucking pumpkin. Oh, yeah. At, there's the Exotic Feline Rescue Center in uh, southern Indiana, and they take jack-o'-lanterns after Halloween and stuff them with raw meat and then give oh. them to tigers. <laughs> no. And that's that's fun. That's what they think is fun. Yeah. Guess what? This is a consolation prize for you being locked in a cage. Have fun with your little pumpkin. <laughs> Yeah, I a meat-filled pumpkin is perhaps the grossest thing I've ever heard. It's really gross. My mom frequently sends me recipes that she finds on Pinterest, um, none of which I've made. <laughs> um, but she sent me one that was a chocolate cake that you just bake inside of a pumpkin. And I was Ew. like, no. No, I will never, I will never make this. You're just pouring cake batter into an open pumpkin. That's disgusting. Which brings me to my point, which is that there are so many types of squashes and gourds that like I cook regularly. Uh I love an acorn squash. I love a spaghetti squash. But a pumpkin, like you very rarely are just eating pumpkin. Right. You never on its own. Nobody is just chomping into a pumpkin. Nobody. No. Really, the entirety of pumpkin's fame, I would say. What do you know pumpkin from? You know him from pumpkin pie and from pumpkin spice lattes. Those are it. And really, both of them are defined not by the pumpkin itself, but by the spices that That's lift right. him up. That's Typical right. man just taking credit for all the work being done by all the, all the powerful women supporting him. Pumpkin is the, the kid in the group project who who shit at the, you. You all go over to his house uh, and he's like, OK, I'll put my name on the project because you all came to my house. But meanwhile, he's he's in the bathroom the whole time jerking off to his PSP. Which was the handheld PlayStation that year that, and you could download files to it. (laughs) (laughs) But guess what? I was both of those kids. Okay. The kid who did all the work and the kid who masturbated to his PSP in the bathroom. (laughs) Guess what? We exist. We could be both. The point is pumpkin is really uh, not, not the girl we thought she was. As she gets all of this credit, she's the cover star. But she's not doing any of the, the heavy lifting. It's everybody else. You're you're a vehicle. You're a vehicle for spices, which frankly are better mixed with other things and not fucking vegetables. Also, white people love making pumpkins into like candles. Mm-hmm. We should honestly do a deep dive just about candle smells because yeah. I'm pretty anti-candle in general. I think oh, all wow. candle. Yeah, I'll say it. I'll say it right oh. here. Candles suck. Have I spent hundreds of dollars on candles in the past? Yeah, I have. But what am I supposed to do with pumpkin? Pumpkin doesn't have a smell. It's the spices that you're 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 taking the essence of. But no, it's like yeah, you're making a you're making a candle out of pumpkin. What does it actually smell like? Because sure as shit ain't pumpkin. I'm going to go ahead and say most pumpkins and squashes and gourds of that nature, they smell very soapy. 
You know what I mean? I, I honestly could not tell you what it smells like on its own. It's like almost nothing but a little it, or you know what? Like a sponge, like the soap that has been left on a sponge. That's like a little wet. That's what a pumpkin smells like. Ew. But also I, I know. know exactly what you mean. Also, uh, I just want you to look me look me in the goddamn face and tell me you know what the fuck a gourd is. I can't tell you what a gourd is. No, you can't. Last time I checked my my Bible, a gourd was a giant wooden spoon <laughs> or like a ladle. Am I wrong? I have <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, no. apparently it's a type of squash with weird acne. They, they look like the underside of like a canoe <laughs> that's been left in the water for too long. Do you know how old men sometimes get like weird bumps on their face? Or is that just a very specific memory of uh, I have of an old man who worked at the VHS store? Um, I think it's the VHS <laughs> store, man. <laughs> there used to be like there was the blockbuster and like the, the Hollywood, Hollywood video, video. But then there was like the independent video store. Mm hmm. That had like a weird porn room that had like oh, yeah. those dangly beads that Absolutely. I would stand, the only I way would to stand get near it and hope that someone went in. Anyway, the man who ran that store had a very gross nose. <laughs> and the older I got, the more I was like, oh, that's what a gourd looks like. <laughs> maybe he was turning into one. Yeah, maybe. That's what VeggieTales was about. I wasn't allowed to watch that because a girl on the school bus when I was little said I couldn't watch it because I was Jewish. So <laughs> I don't think I realized in in the moment that VeggieTales was like Christian propaganda. That's absolutely what it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I. Uh, yeah. I don't know why it just like never really occurred to me. But I was like, oh, yeah, this tomato's name is Noah. And he's gathering like animals on the ark that the vegetable God told him to build. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, next, pumpkins are really like the only vegetable that we just collectively decided it was it was okay to kill and then display its corpse, like the chopped off head of like a deer that we hang on our walls. All of these hunters do it with animals. This is the vegetarian version of, of <laughs> trophy hunting. You pick out your pumpkin and then you you stab it with a knife and you cut out its insides and then you and then you make pictures out of its flesh barbarian all fucked up all sorts of fucked up like it's just a vegetable and i'm just using it as decoration no and like the only thing that you probably are using for nutrition is roasting the seeds which like obviously delicious but like you're just you you're getting rid of everything else there's so much of the pumpkin that you're just not eating it's pure display. Yeah, because it's disgusting. Well, that's true. Also, I would rather put my entire hand up someone's ass hole than dig out the insides of a pumpkin. It's disgusting. I I loved carving pumpkins when I was little because I liked the carving part. But the taking the stuff, all the gook out of the pumpkin, I hated. When it, oh, when it would like get under your fingernails, I hated that experience and that feeling. Yeah, it's disgusting. Why are there veins? It's all like connected. It's all like <laughs> one big blob. It's not right. And finally, no other vegetable has the audacity to grow in a patch. The word patch has never been used to describe something good. A patch is what covers a wound. A patch of hair is, is what grows on your high school bully's fucking back. Your skin is patchy. That's not good. But no, but no, go ahead. Grow in your little pumpkin patch. You, you sick son of a bitch. I'm just, uh, one day, pumpkin's reign will end. But I fear this year is not the year that pumpkins go away and we'll just have to deal with it. And don't, if you see me on Instagram and I make something with pumpkin in it, don't be like, oh, Matt, you said on your podcast that you hate pumpkins. Guess what? I lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, there are definitely, there's at least two pumpkins in your apartment right yeah, now. Yeah, three pumpkins in my apartment right now <laughs> that I purchased with money. And they're, they don't even look good. 
Most pumpkins no. are gross and ugly. <laughs> and I don't like having to, to, to force myself to choose to go. It, it's like adopting a pumpkin. And then I have to look at all the ugly pumpkins and say, no, I don't want to pick you. That makes me feel bad. And that's what pumpkin and the cult of pumpkins has forced me to do. And I am over it. And that's it for this week's deep dive. Next, we got Tuck Watkins on the pod right after this commercial break. Quick note before we get into this lovely interview, we've been doing all of these interviews via Zoom, obviously, and having our guests record their end of the conversation. And we did have a bit of of a technical issue in the beginning of this interview. So the first few minutes will sound different from the rest, but it'll sound great. So don't give us any shit, okay? You're still getting a freaking interview. So why don't you shut your mouth and just listen to whatever we freaking get you? Okay, here's me and Tuck. Enjoy. My guest complainer today is actor Tuck Watkins. You know him from a, a million things, but now his his latest project is he's in the movie, the Netflix movie, The Boys in the Band. Welcome, Tuck. Thank you. Actors love to complain. It's nice to have a platform. <laughs> I I want nothing more than to have an open space for you to let a it safe all space out. Space for whiners, right? <laughs> Great. Exactly. That's you get it. You get it right away. <laughs> Well, yeah, we like to start off by asking, what is one thing you hate that everyone else loves? Uh, the Wizard of Oz. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. It's, You're coming in hot. That's a tough mantle to carry as as a gay guy because yeah. uh, I think there's some sort of unwritten rule that we were supposed to identify with that somehow when we were young. I did, you know what? I don't, I don't really hate it. I just think it's boring. I don't know okay. why everyone <laughs> likes it so much. And um, you know, p- when when it comes up, people cock their head to the side and they get all earnest about it. And I'm just not there. <laughs> I do think it is one of those. It is just one of those classic movies that it, it feels like it's ingrained in you that you like. Yeah, of course, you, you like Wizard of Oz. That's what you're everybody likes Wizard of Oz. I think that's part of what I bump bump up against is I'm told I'm supposed to like it. How dare you not like yeah, it? Yeah, it's the the rebel attitude. You you can't. <laughs> yeah, the contrarian in me is ready to not like what you tell me to like. So. <laughs> also, you know, she drops a house on on someone, Dorothy. That is, she pretty much murders someone right away. Yeah, but like <laughs> you're it fine didn't with look that part. Real. <laughs> it looked like a puppet. You know, I'm you know. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just not there. I'm just not the technology there. is not up to your standards, and, and yeah, I, I also think it doesn't really hold up. Not that I think they should remake it. I did like the Wiz. Okay, <laughs> so that's um, one concession. Are, like that, I think that's also something that most people who like the Wizard of Oz don't like. <laughs> right, <so>. right. <laughs> well, that is certainly a good one. I think that is one that many people uh, will probably have a strong opinion about. Probably. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, I want to, I want to, now that we kind of got going, I want to talk about Boys in the Band. For people who have never seen this either Broadway play or now the Netflix movie, what is it? Well, The Boys in the Band is a play that was written in 1968 by uh, the late, great Mark Crowley, who passed this past March. And it was made into a movie in 1970, and we revived it on its 50th anniversary with um, Ryan Murphy producing, Joe Mantello directing, and some uh, names you've heard of. And, you know, Ryan decided, or I remember he said early on when we were uh, reading the play out loud, he said, we need more stories about LGBTQ history. We just Mm do. And, you know, I was kind of of the mind, I didn't really know the play that well. I'd never saw the movie. And the reason that I didn't was because I was afraid that if I was caught watching that movie, people would know I was gay. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, sort of a fear of it. And I had I had heard it was about a bunch of these gay guys who don't like themselves and they just bitch and moan. And um, it's too bad you can't have these real characters on your show because they would fit right in. Um, but <laughs> but when, we, when we started workshopping it, I think we all sort of came to realize, you know, this really ought to be rebooted because the way that gay men lived in the late 60s was very different than the way that we are afforded to live now. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it, it's a it's a time capsule. It, it's as if Mark Crowley drilled a peephole into a door in an apartment in New York City and saw how gay men truly lived when they were among their own tribe, when they were safe. Mm-hmm. And you know that these guys used each other as um, sort of a found family. And you're not always nice to your found family because you know that they'll be there the next day. So um, I, I think Ryan in particular decided we need to tell this story because we need to know where we came from mm-hmm. so that we can appreciate what we do have today. And we need to keep fighting for that because, you know, we live under a, a political administration that has taken our rights away, that continues to want to take our rights away. And if we're not diligent, that can continue to happen. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah, nothing aggravates me more than I, we could go down that rabbit hole. But I swear there are people who have drunk that Kool-Aid and say, oh, you know, Donald Trump is the is the friendliest president to LGBT people. And it's like, well, absolutely not. He held uh, our flag upside down when he was trying to yeah, gain our support. Problem one. Come on now. A flag that said LGBTs for right. Trump. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. But yeah, it, it is so, it's such a jarring experience, I think, watching the movie to see it. On the one hand, you have these moments where there is such kind of queer joy and and moments of, you know, gay men just being themselves around one another. And then in a second, go to this place of, the what if the neighbors see us? Mm-hmm. The door was open. What if this, you know, guy comes in and, and he... Judge, I mean, and this was pre-Stonewall and yeah, were well, these kinds... 50 years ago, the the police arrested us as criminals just for being gay. You know, right. religious leaders told us that we were going to hell. Newspapers would print our names in the paper to shame us. The government and the military wouldn't hire us. And doctors were even telling us that we had a mental disorder. So when you look at these guys and go, oh, they're self-loathing. Well, you've got to consider the society in which they lived who kept pointing at them and saying, you're not okay. You're not okay as you are. So when they get together, there's sort of a steam release valve, I think, that occurs. And this movie takes place in an apartment. And it, it kind of felt, you know, when we were shooting it and when we were doing the play, it kind of felt like we were all trapped in the submarine together and there was no exit. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was times where you're just, you know, I, I could feel when we were doing the Broadway play, it was as if no one in the audience was even breathing because it was so tense. And I think that is um, pretty realistic to how life had to have been 50 years ago. And 50 years ago, it's, it's not that long ago. So we really have come a long way. When people say, you know, we've come so far, but we have so, so far to go, we do have to look back and realize, you know, we do have rights, we do have freedoms. And, you know, I feel like I can live as openly and as freely as I do because of guys like that, because some of those guys stood up and made their voice known. And I'm, I'm a byproduct of their courage. Right. And I mean, the, 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 there's the reality is the, the grip on these, these advances is pretty loose. Like there's no, there's no saying that like we couldn't slide back pretty easily. It's um, yeah. So it's it's helpful to to remember and not get too complacent about like, all right, some of us are doing all right. Um, I will say it did make me nostalgic for a time of, of just getting together with a group of, of group of people that in ending the night screaming at one another. Right. <laughs> that that felt nice. And in, in, in a weird way, I was like, I would love to be in a room of people and that I I kind of like. And then we all scream. Well, it's it's nice to be among people like that where you, you can lose yourself, you can um, put your foot in your mouth, and you know the next day you might have to make an apology, but you're safe. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I'm I'm in New York. You're you're in L.A. Is that right? Yes, I'm in Los Angeles. And that's where you've been in L.A. for for quite a while. Is well, you know, I've been, right? in, I've been in and out of Los. I've moved to Los Angeles four times in my uh, adulthood. I um I had kids through surrogacy uh, almost eight years ago, and when those kids mm-hmm. were three, I was completely overwhelmed trying to raise them on my own. I thought I would be this super cool rock star 
dad who plugged my kids into my super cool life. And anyone who has kids is probably laughing because they know that it just doesn't work that way. And I actually moved <laughs> home where I grew up to Kansas City for three years just because I needed help. And my family was awfully helpful to me in that regard. And about a year ago, I thought, okay, my kids are six now. I think I can do this. I think I can navigate the world with these guys on my own now. So we yeah. re-entered the wild about a year ago and moved back to Southern California. Right. Which, I mean, uh, the last year, I suppose, has been <laughs> slightly different than the normal years. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the first nine months of our, our return were great. And then, you know, our pandemic hit and everything's right. different. And now I've become a homeschool teacher unintentionally. You know, we have to sit in front of Zoom. And, and since they're that age, it's as if I am in second grade with them. Yeah. Honestly, it's horrible. It's awful. I mean, talk about wanting to complain. I call my boyfriend and I, I just whine at night and I say, I'm sorry, but I, I, I got I to gotta vent. And, and fortunately, um, he's a pretty good shoulder. <laughs> That's good. I mean, you know, you don't have to rub your, your amazing relationship in, in my face, but I'll let you, I'm glad you have it. <laughs> well, it brings me so much joy. It's hard to not talk about. <laughs> right. Yeah, because you two, so Andrew Rannells, for those who, who might not be aware, you two met during the, the stage version of the play and, and then started seeing one another and you've sort of been public about like, you kind of like had to come out as a couple, right? Yeah, our, our friend Cheyenne Jackson, after we posted a picture of, a, we posted sort of an intimate picture and then Cheyenne right. Jackson said, you're insta-official now. Because we <laughs> that's her, that's a I didn't, stage. I didn't yeah. know that term <laughs> until having done that. But yeah, Andrew and I, um, we had met before, but didn't really know each other. And then we spend the last twenty minutes of the play and the movie in a bedroom together. And on mm -hmm. stage, there was sort of a smoked glass wall that sort of hit us. We were told we were in sort of a, a murky silhouette; you couldn't really see us. And um, Joe Mantello gave us no direction. We were abandoned by our director and we had to make our way. And um, when, when you're on stage behind a smoke glass mirror with someone you're attracted to, you get to know each other. And so right. we slowly got to know each other through previews and after opening and we started seeing each other during the run. Yeah. Yeah, it it is funny how like coming out on on Insta becoming Instagram official is now this like extra. There are all of these milestones even before that in in dating where it's like who follows who and all all of the it's it's just so it's just a weird addition that I don't know. Well, Sometimes, I was very aware of that too and I I, f I felt like I was um being private because I am pretty private, but mm -hmm. um he just bright. He shines so brightly. I, I couldn't help but, you know, want to shout from the rooftops. And and so then it, then it happened. And that's uh, a, a bell you can't unring, as <laughs> uh, as Andrew says it. I also like uh, seeing um, relationships that I admire and respect. And mm -hmm. you know, I grew up with a generation that uh, didn't have a lot of mentors. I feel like a, a lot of the uh, gay men that came before me fell during the AIDS crisis. And so to to have people who are more comfortable being out, the nine openly gay members of the boys in the band, um, mm -hmm. I, I, I hope move the needle forward in a way that, that allows other people who are feeling less confident to say who they are, to say, you know what? I see other people doing it. There's safety in numbers. And, you know, it's safe out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope people don't take it for granted. I think, you know, not to be this person, but I remember watching you when I, when I was in like college uh, on Desperate Housewives. And, you know, I think like even I didn't come out myself until I was almost through with college. And I remember just having any sort of gay representation on TV. It meant a lot for for me, for my family, like being able to point to examples, even if it's a, you know, a, a soap opera, a soap opera e kind of couple, um, you know, everybody on Desperate Housewives was 
an absolute mess, but <laughs> in, in the best way. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think having whether it's fictional or otherwise, having that t- kind of representation matters a whole lot. Yeah. You know, you're not complaining enough. I thought you would. I thought you would complain more. <laughs> you know what? Seeing you on Desperate Housewives <laughs> made me so mad. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that is the other secret of this show. Well, that is the actual secret is that we're we're actually more genuine than um than I than I led on in the beginning. Well, that's a real letdown. Well, we could we could go into more complaining territory. <laughs> so you're from Kansas City, yes. Um, which I also grew up in the Midwest. We have a lot of faults. <laughs> the the Midwest. I, there's a reason that a lot of people move out of the Midwest, especially when they're pursuing a uh, a career in entertainment. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, I loved growing up in Kansas City. I I've described growing up where I grew up as all the great parts of To Kill a Mockingbird without <laughs> the blatant racism. Um, <laughs> Sure. Because I, I usually did, they go hand in hand. <laughs> I did have that, um, you know, walk to school, lightning bug, lake in the summer experience, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was terrific. But but yeah, I think when I was a young adult, I thought, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be an actor. I, I also knew I was gay, but I thought I don't know how to do that here or what that looks like, and it felt to me that I was naturally drawn to either New York or Los Angeles. And from mm-hmm. Kansas City, it was equidistant either way. And I decided I wanted to struggle as a uh, unemployed actor, you know, near a palm tree and the beach, as opposed to the, you know, gutter juice and gray snow of New York City. So <laughs> I, I moved west, but I, I, I still think that there is, there, there's a lot to be said for the Midwest. When I moved back, uh, I, I hadn't lived full-time in Kansas City for like 30 years. And it is a much more progressive city than I remember. Mm -hmm. And I I did have a sense that uh, gay people were comfortable being themselves. And I I don't feel like I clocked that, you know, obviously when I was younger. But I I feel like I'm an urban gay male. And I'm really comfortable in New York City and Los Angeles. I love both. I've been fortunate to be able to go back and forth and live in both. Mm-hmm. And I'm also fortunate, you know, to be able to, when we're not in the pandemic, be able to fly over, stop in the middle to see family and continue to the other coast. Right. I was trying to go negative on it just to fit the, the well, movie that I was, but that's you know, you had to bring it back to being positive. That's well, fine. you know, that's this is fine. a seesaw. You go down on one side, <laughs> I go up on the other. <laughs> uh, I do want to ask about some of your other things that you hate. <laughs> you you mentioned white noise machines that are on a loop. Oh, yeah. So you can hear the end and start point. Well, I've invested in probably three different apps or noise machines to help me go to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And there's rainfall and there's waterfall and there's white noise and there's wind and there's chimes. There's always that point in the in the loop where you can tell it's restarting. Uh-huh. And I focus in on that thing and it keeps me awake longer than if I wasn't listening to it. So that thing makes me nuts. Yeah. Well, if you, if you learn the loop, you, yeah. you have to, yeah, you have to yeah. block it out. It's particularly noticeable in, in the, in the rainwater. Mm-hmm. Where they think it's, they're, they're trying to sell it to you as being random, but there's that loop. I find the loop. <laughs> I find the pattern and I focus on it and I can't sleep. I think my least favorite white noise sound is whale noises, yeah. which seems to be very popular. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about like when I'm falling asleep that I don't want to think about like being in drowning water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so have you landed on a, a, a white noise machine sound or, or machine that you actually enjoy, or have you just given up and accepted that you're going to hear the loop? I have switched over to, uh, an app. It's a free app that is more of a meditative sort of guided breathing. Uh-huh. And after a while it gets quieter and quieter. It starts with a voice guiding you and then it's just sort of a cosmic sound and then it right. very slowly just disappears. And that seems to work for me because it turns off. It, it's not in an interminable loop. So if you do fall right. asleep and you wake up and it's still there, that keeps me up. So yeah, I found a sort of a meditative guided breathing. 
Okay. What is it yeah. called? Now I'm, I'm just personally. Well, it's a free curious. app, so I don't think there's anything wrong with saying it. It's called Oak. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've di- I've tried like all of these apps and now they have. Headspace is a good one. I like the guy's voice yeah. on Headspace. You know what they made the mistake though? They showed his face after oh, like no. this. Yeah. They showed his face after like the seventh you know, session that you do. And then you, we, you, you create your own vision of this, of this man. Right. He's got this fantastic voice who soothes you. And then to show who he really is. And there's nothing wrong with him. He's not unattractive or anything, but he's not my guy. He's not the guy I created in my head. And it kind of ruined it for me. Yeah. No, I just, I just was imagining that it was one of those little blob, you know, cartoons that they have uh, all over the app. That is, that is the voice. It's one of those cartoons who just has a nice British kind of accent. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't quite. So you know the guy's voice I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Is that British? Is it British or Australian? I've never been able to quite pinpoint. No, that is the, that is the two accent. If it's yeah. too close, I don't, I don't know the difference. It's like an optical it, illusion. It's whatever you, if it's whatever it looks like in the moment. You know, a lot of people are really attracted to accents. They think accents are really sexy. I'm not one of those people, particularly Australian accents. For some reason, I just okay. don't trust them. Um, <laughs> and he, so his is not nearly that strong if it's Australian. And I don't know. Maybe I, I always like Australia is the kind of Florida of of the international community. <laughs> so there is there is always that little bit of. Right. I don't know. There's something, something could go very wrong here. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, it's, it's hard though, because I find, you know, I don't know your experience on Instagram, but every time you go to the Instagram explore page, at least mine just shows me kind of countless shirtless men. And every time I click on them, they seem like they overwhelmingly come from Australia. Wait, hold on a second. There's there's some sort of explore button I should be pushing. I don't <laughs> oh, know no, what that is. I'm, I'm going to be introducing you and, and then it'll <laughs> suck your life away. It's that like magnifying glass that shows oh. you kind of all of these suggested accounts that it's stuff they think you'll like based oh, well, on got, your activity. I've got something to do tonight then. I, I wasn't aware of that. I just discovered the the button on Zoom where you can improve your own appearance. <laughs> That's brilliant. I can't believe it took you this this <laughs> six months into a pandemic. Seven, me neither. Netflix introduced it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Um, okay, another item: people who come around like a corner too fast, and they're specifically they're in the wrong kind of lane. Yeah, that make, that makes me nuts. When you when you're walking into like a public bathroom or at a restaurant or at the mall, and if if you're on the right and you're hugging the corner, and someone comes too close to that corner, and they they should be taking a wider berth because they're in that walking lane. Uh-huh. They're un, they're they're unmarked lanes, but you know you walk like you drive, folks, and <laughs> you you stay to the right, and then they look at you like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you're in the wrong lane. And then I become the crazy person because I call it a lane. But it, it does. I feel like I'm very respectful of, of corners when it comes to walking. And I wish others would follow suit. I think that is a very Midwestern attitude. Of- Probably. And you know who doesn't do that? New Yorkers adhere to this rule. All New Yorkers adhere to this rule. It's well, <laughs> no one in Los Angeles does. I, I would like to think that. I My thought was... I, Is that I not get your that, experience? I get that frustration on the sidewalk because uh-huh. I've said the same thing. It's this we we should be following traffic laws on the sidewalk. Yeah. And if you do it with a baby stroller, then I'm double mad at you. That was what it reminded me of, actually, was uh strollers and shopping carts. Mm-hmm. People are, they go wild. It's This is under the bigger umbrella of common courtesy or mm-hmm. common discourtesy. People who get to the top of an escalator and don't walk forward? Are you oh, kidding? Uh, There's yes. people behind you, most likely. Or leaving your shopping cart in the middle of the aisle at Costco. I had, actually, I moved one this week. Uh, that's always, it feels like you're invading someone's personal space when you when you move their cart. But sometimes you have to. I was going to say that like when someone goes to cut me off with their shopping cart, I I regret that I have a mask on that I can't fully kind of give them the full face sneer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it probably, it probably stops me a little bit by having the, the mask on and gives me a second to, to reconsider. Yeah, it protects you. It's right. a form of protection. It's I a face also, condom. 
Right. Exactly. <laughs> a, a brief kind of emotional, emotional condom. Yeah. Okay. One, one more, uh, the recorded voicemail messages that details all the options after leaving a message before you can leave your message. Oh yeah. Don't you hate that? You call somebody and it, it says you may leave a message at the end of the tone. When you're finished, you may hang up or press star for more. I know, I know right. what I, don't give me all this stuff. Just let me, give me the beep so I can leave the message. How often do you push star? Right. At this point, we all know. We all yeah. know the options. Yeah. We know what's coming. It, uh, it, and that person really always takes their time. It's probably a total of five seconds that that <laughs> recording says that But thing. it adds up. It does. And, and it... I mean, I go from zero to 60 in that in that five seconds. Yeah, that that is enough time for you to, to reach full rage. And then uh, you're and then you're yeah. leaving a message. And then you're leaving man. a message in, in rage voice. And yeah. all you wanted to say was, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you're like, oh, call me back. Well, that we're we're learning the ways that we can kind of awaken our rage in in all different types of ways, I guess. Yeah, yeah. This this pandemic. <laughs> well, on that note, where can people um, find you and your work? Obviously, Netflix. The Boys in the Band is out now. The Boys in the Band just dropped on Netflix, so uh, you can find that there. Andrew and I uh, uh, work together on Black Monday on Showtime. That season's out there. And we'll see when the industry opens back up. I had kids through surrogacy, so I'm working on a project about that. So we'll see where the day takes us. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I hope you got enough of a chance to, to complain at least a little bit. You know, I feel better now. I feel, Good. I feel like this was therapy. I feel like I'm going to go out and be kinder to everyone around me because I got to take it out on you. Perfect. That's what I'm here for. A, a metaphorical punching bag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that help all the bad shit go down easier, starting with do better white people, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we can take to make our world a little better. What am I highlighting this week, you ask? What are you highlighting Thank this week? <laughs> I want to talk about giving some money this week. Um, yeah, we, we were like weeks out, obviously, uh, to the election. And it's down to the wire in a lot of places. And I know personally, I'm always very overwhelmed by where to donate money. There's mm -hmm. a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's like, I don't know where, where you can trust and like what's going to use your money to be like actually useful. So I wanted to direct everybody to votesaveamerica.com. Yeah, it's it's another podcast wow. shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is from the people at Crooked Media and but you know, I love all of their podcasts, but they ha uh, they set up votesaveamerica.com, which is actually like a great one-stop shop hub for finding out how to register to vote if you haven't, you know, getting research on the candidates in your area. Um, but also they have a great section on where to donate money and they've set up a, a couple of funds where you don't have to do all of the research yourself. Uh, they have one I like that's called the housekeeping fund that is um, you donate to it and they work with like data scientists, people who are smarter than we are, to figure out what races are close and where the money will have the most impact. Smart. Yeah. See? See what see what math can do? No, thank see you. what science can do in this world? <laughs> they also have like an anti-gerrymandering fund. Cool. Um, which yeah, gerrymandering, super fucked. We don't, I could, we, let's do a deep dive on gerrymandering. Ooh, wouldn't wouldn't that stuff. be enjoyable? Wouldn't everybody love that? Everything I learned about politics, I learned from Veep. That's how I know what gerrymandering is. But it is a practice that like very overwhelmingly affects minority communities because you could draw like, you, you could draw a, a congressional district that looks like a salamander <laughs> And make sure that everybody in that 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 salamander looks a certain way and votes a certain way, and then they only get one representative, and then you can split up the rest of them, and everybody gets more representatives. It's fucked, okay? 
I didn't get a political science degree just so I could try to explain gerrymandering on a podcast. (laughs) Okay. You think I paid attention in class? No, I didn't. I absolutely did not. But the point is votesaveamerica.com slash donate. If you want to go right to the, the money, the money sites, if you've been thinking like, I want to donate money, but I don't know where to give my money. I don't know where it's going to actually make an impact. I only have these 10 single dollars to give. Um, and I need to give something that'll make a good impact and actually change something. You can, you, you could do it there. There you go. You welcome. All right, let's get into the TV we're watching this week. Barry, what you've been watching? So I'm still watching Fargo. Also, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew I was an idiot, but I didn't realize that Fargo uh, premiered with two episodes. So three episodes are out now. And by the time this podcast comes out, actually four episodes will be out. So still watching Fargo, loving the season so far. But really what I want to talk about is last weekend, you and I had maybe the most chaotic viewing experience ever. And I just want to run down some of the things that we watched um, and just celebrate that that TV that we watched. All right, we're ready <laughs> for this. So first of all, I introduced you to Town, which um, keep that in mind for next week. You might you might Ooh. be in for a surprise. Um, watched a bunch of Town videos on YouTube. Then we watched Hot Dog, H-A-U-T-E, on HBO Max featuring mm-hmm. uh, former guest complainer Matt Rogers Matt as a Rogers. host. Um, and then we watched two episodes of the Eric Andre show, which you have never seen. And uh, I've also never seen you just open mouthed for that long. <laughs> You're just, <laughs> it was just like screaming. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Eric Andre show is 11 minute episodes that are so absurd. Yeah, it's absurd. Just- <laughs> And at 100% for every second of those 11 minutes that like you don't have a moment to, to take a breath. No, no, it was it was amazing. And then the first five minutes of Newsies, which we had to turn off. Um, I still remember every single word of that entire movie. And then the first half of Hercules. So that was that was one night of TV um, that took care of like a whole week of TV for me. But yeah, it was a true joy. Yeah. And by the way, we had to turn off Newsies. I'll go on the record and say this because <laughs> because the teenagers in that movie are too hot. I mean, I was in like seventh grade when I was really into it. And it definitely like like that was my porn <laughs> was right. That Which movie. is OK when you're a teenager. Right, but it but was, when you're an adult watching yeah. little pubescent Christian Bale, I couldn't I couldn't legally continue watching it. <laughs> It was yeah, too much for it me. It hit different as an adult. Um, yeah. So, yeah. What about you? Besides all of those things, what else are you watching this week? I mean, that's really that sums my my <laughs> week up. I oh, I mean, I've been watching Seinfeld. I haven't really been watching anything new. Yeah. And we watch the debates together. I also want to say for people that Matt and I are, in fact, seeing each other. Uh, Matt and I are hanging out in person in our in our apartments because we are each other's bubble. Like Matt, you're the only person that I see inside besides my boyfriend. Um, right, so right. Practicing it um, safely. This is actually when we announced that we've been dating this whole time. <laughs> I, Could you imagine? This is a daily situation <laughs> in which I convinced Barry to leave her boyfriend, <laughs> and I am entering into a heterosexual relationship. I mean, it happened on the daily. It did literally happen <laughs> on another podcast. <laughs> yeah, I literally have watched nothing new. Um, what's your non-TV chaser? My non-TV chaser is that by the time that this podcast comes out, my sister will have had her first baby. <laughs> Yay. And I'm so excited to meet this little niece. And also... It's just been a great time to scroll through Etsy and look at dumb Halloween costumes for babies, especially handmade <laughs> ones. Even if there's not a baby in your life, highly recommend doing that. It is it is really joyful. So I'm super excited for my sister and her husband. Uh, Mazalto. Oh, there's going to be a baby. You got to see the baby. <laughs> You gotta see the baby. Uh, yeah. So that is my chaser this week. What about you? What insignificant life event are you <laughs> is bringing you joy? Well, I am actually having a baby. Oh my God, so Mazzotto. thank you. With I me. feel like that that should have been um, first on your list. <laughs> but 
Uh, I guess we'll take your sister. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what's brought me joy. I feel I still feel like I've been in like coming down off of the the like whirlwind of moving. Yeah, and I've I haven't really settled until this week, so I haven't really gotten back into my routine. So I'm trying to do that this week and get back into like do my stretches. Yeah. Sitting on my heating pad, mm-hmm. um, reading, Taking just care of all your the body. old man activities. Taking care of your yeah. mind. So I'm trying to get back into that and spend less time on my phone, which I say every month. <laughs> <laughs> every month I, I announce that I'm going to be spending less time with my phone. And then just like a, like a, 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 a abusive boyfriend. Yep. <laughs> that's That's what it is. I keep coming back and he keeps he keeps drawing me back in. I will say one way that I've guilted myself is there's the I don't really understand the new widget situation where you like have them on your screen. But I have put the screen time one right there. It's the first thing, because then if I open it and it's like three hours, I'm just like, oh, fuck. And I I feel worse. Okay, well, mine is like eight hours a day. Oh, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's the thing is like the screen time thing doesn't affect me in any way because those numbers are so ridiculous that I'm just like, yeah, what what's the difference between seven hours and nine hours? (laughs) I'm still wasting away. (laughs) Wait, what are you reading? Oh, I'm reading the fifth season, which you you recommended. N.K. Jemisin, who I think just this week won a MacArthur Genius Grant. Yes, a literal genius. Which is just, by the way, they give you $650,000 to like do whatever you want. They're just like, hey, you're smart. (laughs) Here's a bunch of money. And she deserves it. I think it's that much. She I mean, yeah. It's good. I did because I've fallen out of my my reading routine mm-hmm. and I need to kind of coddle myself back in. Mm-hmm. I've been listening and reading along with the audiobook. Which so. she's so good. The narrator is amazing. I really yeah. like her. I think her name is I Robin something. Sure. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Su. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. You can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. I can show you the world. Shining, shimmering, Get away from the tennis balls. What? Putty, I think, is trying to get my tennis balls again.